I've been speaking about the greatness of Torah. Uh, I, I actually have done it in two parts, you know. Um, what I want to do today is to talk about the same concept, the greatness of Torah, but it's sort of like part three. And in that way, as a, not as a finale, because you can always talk about the greatness of Torah and so on, you know. <coughs> but certainly to uh, bring certain ideas, uh, some of them I actually talked about a long time ago. <coughs> but the concept of, you know, what, what is the greatness of Torah? And I've, we, we, we've seen that the, the classic Chazal, of course, is Talmud Torah Kineget Kulam. And that, of course, tells us that the Torah is greater than all mitzvahs combined. And I've been going into that. The first thing to understand, uh, I don't recall if I've ever said this, but uh, um, I have said, I said, I think, on different occasions, whatever. <clears throat> when we talk about the greatness of Torah, um, there's a very interesting story that really illustrates, in a certain sense, the quantity of Torah. And really, we really have no concept of how much there really is. You know, the, the example people use that we, we can use is an iceberg. Well, we know that 10% of the iceberg is above water, 90% is below the water of the iceberg, you know, that floats in the, the Arctic and so on, you know. Uh, most of reality, which is interesting, is concealed from us. Very little of reality is really revealed known to the to to the jews even known to science i mean if you think think about it you know uh you know hundreds of years ago in fact before even 1890 or 1892 and so on you know scientists thought that everything was discovered basically and now you just have to go into some of the details you know and then some guy you know he had a photographic plate and a uranium uh a, a rock on top of his photographic plate and in a dark, it was in a dark drawer and so on. And then when he took the and he just by accident put it there. And then when he took it off and he, and he looked at the plate, there was a, uh, a uh, figure of that rock on the plate, which of course didn't make sense because there was no light on that plate, you know. And that led to the whole discovery, of course, of radioactivity. And then from then you had the whole quantum mechanics and Einstein's relativity. All of that mushroomed after 1892 you see who would have dreamt and the um, and, uh, who would have dreamt then that the, the amount of knowledge that people had in 1892 or let's say 1850 or 1810 or whatever you know would be enormously overwhelmed by the chokhmah science as it came later nobody would have thought this i mean imagine you go back to newton you know uh, who's basically the father of modern, modern science and so on, you know, could he have dreamt, if you take Newton today, uh, then, and put him into a time machine, you know, put him in 2019, and he would take a look at the world, he'd faint. Could anybody have imagined what the world has become, uh, you know, from what it was 300 years ago and so on? Of course it's impossible, uh, you see. So what do we see? We see that most, for the most of man's history, most of the reality is concealed. That's what we see. And not only that, but today, it grows by leaps and bounds. There are thousands and thousands of journal articles that are published daily 
okay, uh, about daily, and these are the forefronts, you know, the cutting edge of science and so on, uh, you know, and, uh, and, and knowledge expands, doubles, expands and doubles and so on, to the extent where, you know, in any field, you can only master a minuscule amount of that field. That's the Hispashtus Chochma. That is the amount of wisdom uh, and, and knowledge that is expanding today. <clears throat> you see. What does this tell us? It tells us that for most of mankind's history, the amount of knowledge that people had was almost nothing compared to what goes on today. I mean, in every field of endeavor, you take a look, the people like 50 years ago are primitive compared to what's going on today. Well, if that's true in the world of science, how much more so is it true in the world of Torah? You see, and this is what we understand, is that the amount of Torah that we don't know is almost infinite to compare to the amount of Torah that we do know. Uh, there is a story that illustrates this very well. Uh, and certainly from that story we see how much Torah we don't know and of course how much Torah will be ultimately revealed because that's what's the whole point, right? Just not to know it? No, it will be revealed and I'm going to talk about that. You know, how and when and so on, you know. Uh, but uh, for, there, was a, there was a story that's brought down by Rav Chaim Vital that the Ari was learning with one of his students. It was Shabbos, and the Ari closed his eyes, you know, and all of a sudden it looked like he fell asleep. And his Talmud, he didn't know what to do. He didn't want to wake up the Ari, uh, you know. So um, he did nothing. He just watched as the Ari looked like he was sleeping. Meanwhile, while he was sleeping, the Ari, at least it looked like that, he started mumbling saying something with his, you know, under his breath and so on, you know. So the Talmud was very curious. You know, the Ari is mumbling. What's he mumbling about, you know? Obviously he felt that the mumblings of the Ari is much greater than the intended discourses of many scholars. Okay, so what he did was he took his ear and he put it next to the mouth of the Ari because he wanted to hear what the Ari was saying. As soon as he did that, the Ari was, woke up. So the Talmud was very nervous. He woke up the Ari, you know. Um, so the Ari saw that and he says, it's okay, don't worry about it. You know, everything's fine. So the Talmud, since the Ari didn't seem to be too perturbed, he asked the Ari, what were you, I heard you mumbling, you know. What were you doing, what were you saying? So the Ari told him the following, which is an uh, incredible uh, 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 aspect of what, he, what happened. He said, I was not sleeping. What I did is I decided to meditate on a yichud, some divine name. And as a result of that, I ascended. My consciousness ascended, so here it looked like I was asleep. But, merely, uh, but uh, really, I was attuned uh, to a different world. You see, and a malach came over to me, <coughs> and he asked me, he said, what would you like? You know, there are many people giving shurim in that world, which is probably Oedem Yetzirah, and so on. And um, what would you like, you know, who would you like to go to? You know, so the, the Ari said, who's giving a shi on what? Right, it's an option, 
right? He's got a choice. Uh, see, he mentioned different tanoim and whatever, and he said, I think it was Rabbi Akiva, uh, or was it Rabbi Shimon, <coughs> uh, that he's giving a shear, okay, on Pasha's Bullock. You know, the premiums of Pasha's Bullock, right? You know, Bullock and Bilam, which I, we're going to be reading soon, you know. So the Ari, the Ari said, okay, I'd like to go to his shear, Rabbi Shimon's shear on Pasha's Bullock. So he went to the shear. And, and that's what he was mumbling. He was mumbling the words, I think it was Rabbi Shemin, you know. Uh, he was mumbling the words that he was hearing during the Shia. So the Talmud was fascinated, you know. Because so he asked him, he said, you know, can you tell me over some of the ideas that Rabbi Shemin was saying? And he was fascinated. What does Torah sound like in that world? Obviously, you know, it's not the same as Torah here, you know, it must be of a different level or whatever. Maybe you could tell me some of the ideas that Rabbi Shimon said. Yes, the Ari. So the Ari told him something remarkable. So I want to tell you something. If I had 80 years to write down the material that I heard from Rabbi Shimon, I still couldn't finish it. That's how much stuff Rab Shimon said in whatever brief time that uh, he was sleeping or, or, or he was uh, in a trance or whatever, so, you know? Uh, that's what he said. In other words, there was so much stuff that he was saying. There was so much chidushe Torah. There was so much Torah that Rab Shimon was saying on Pasha's Bolo. That was incredible. Now, let's think about this and say, wait a minute. If you take Pasha's Bullock, right? If you take everything that was ever written on Pasha's Bullock, you know, the Mephoshim, you know, the, you know, there's Rashi, the Orachayim, and, and so, so much material, you know? How long would it take you to write it down? A month? Two months? Right? I mean, how much stuff is there, right? Okay, take you a while, right? Take you uh, five months, half a year, max, yes? What take 80 years? That's like, you can't believe, what do you mean? You know, and obviously, Rav Shimon had to say all that stuff in a very short amount of time, because they already heard this, and so on, you know? So that's incredible. 80 years of a rapid-fire shear? Right? We'd say, how, how long would it take you to write this? And the answer is, obviously, the amount of material on Pasha's Bullock that we don't know it borders on the infinite. 80 years. And that's just one part in the Torah. Or maybe it's two psukim in the Torah. You know, it's what, just what Bullock said, you know. I'm not even going into the, the whole Pasha itself, you know. And I'm not even going into the whole Chumash and so on, you know. Could you imagine what is concealed from everybody in terms of the Torah itself? You see, it's unbelievable. That's what we see from the Ari, you see. So what they begin to realize is something very important, that the amount of Torah that we know of is infinitesimal compared to the amount of Torah that there is available or that will ultimately be known. That's what we see. But the Rabbanishma has chosen to reveal only a small, a very infinitesimal amount of Torah to us. You see? Now you think about that, 
what is the infinitesimal amount that he's revealed? 100,000? You know, there's a, uh, what do you call it, the Oitzah Chochmah. They now have, Oitzah Chochmah is a program, a computer program. I think they're, they're now up to 100,000 volumes, Svarim, you know. And they have a long way to go before they've put out everything, you know. Imagine, that, what, what, that, that's what, the, what, the, what, what we have. You know, we have Bavli and Yushalmi, right? The, the two Bavli, uh, the two uh, uh, Talmudim and so on, you know? And you have uh, all the Shadis and Shuvas. You know, you have so much stuff, right? And this is infinitesimal compared to the amount of material out there. That's what we realize. So when you realize it, it makes sense. The greatness of Torah, in many ways, is that it encompasses all of creation. It has all the facts, figures, and knowledge of the totality of creation. That's what we realize. So when you think about in those terms, 80 years is nothing. If that, in fact, is what Torah has, you see. So we see, therefore, that we have, as I said, an infinitesimal amount of the Torah that is revealed to the Jewish people. Now, there is another Chazal, and this really a Medrash Rabbah. It is at the end of Kohelas, okay, which is a stunning uh, Medrash. The Medrash says the following. That the Torah of Moshe Rabbeinu, which is everything we have, Right? The Bavlis, Yushalmis, Old Mephoshim, the hundreds of thousands of volumes of Torah, right, that has been generated by everything we have, right? So the Medrash says, and it's a Medrash Rabbah, that this is Hevel. This is air, luft, air, compared to the Torah of the Mashiach, the Messianic light, the Or Mashiach, or the Or Hagonus. You see? Hevel, what does Hevel mean? Its ear means compared to the Torah of the Mashiach, there's not even a substance to the Torah of Moshe Rabbeinu. That's how much is missing. You see, I can imagine comparing air to a solid substance, right? So when the Medrash says that the Torah of Moshe Rabbeinu, which is everything we have, right, <clears throat> is nothing more than air, compared to substance. It's unbelievable how little that is, you see? So what that Medrash is telling us is a very important idea that uh, there are different dimensions of Torah in terms of the quantity of Torah itself, you see? That the Torah of Moshe Rabbeinu itself is almost infinitesimal compared to what will be revealed in the Messianic era which is Yimaisa Mashiach, you see. <clears throat> and we, we see that from a Pasuk, Kimola Orz Deo, because the earth will be filled with the knowledge of God, right, as the waters covers the seabed. Uh, in other words, could you imagine looking at the Pacific Ocean? Right? I mean, let's take a look at the metaphor. You're looking at the Pacific Ocean. Now, the Pacific Ocean is a long ocean, you know. Imagine you're standing on a California beach, you know, and all of a sudden you walk over to the ocean and you take a look at the Pacific and, you know, you can only see it till the horizon and that's it. But we know that the Pacific Ocean is what? 
12,000 miles long, 9,000, 10,000, 11,000. You cannot imagine how long the Pacific Ocean standing on the beach in California. Who can imagine that? You know, you know it looks like, okay, it's a lot of water, you know, and it goes out to what, uh, 70 miles, 80 miles, and that's it. You figure there's got to be an end over there. Who can imagine, right, that it goes on and on all the way to where? All the way to Japan and the Asia. You see? So could you imagine if that's the metaphor where the Medrash says, right, uh, or the Pasuk says that the amount of Torah that will be revealed in the Messianic era, yes, will be like the waters of the Gomorrah's day up as the waters f f uh, fills the seabed. It will be as much volume as what? As the oceans, all the water in the oceans. You see, <clears throat> so again, that's an incredible amount of what? That is an incredible amount of Torah. Now, what's amazing about that is that all this information, right, is going to be revealed for what? I mean, right now we're, what, 2019, right? 2019, and the world, right? And the Mashiach is going to come soon, hopefully, right? And his era ends in the year, right, 2240, right? Well, 2240 is what, 221 years left? That means all that information has to be revealed in 221 years. Do you believe this? That information that rivals the amount of waters in the oceans of the world, it's all going to be revealed within 221 years? It's astonishing, you see. But that's what basically the Medrash is saying. This is the Or Mashiach. So the Torah of Moshe Rabbeinu compared to the Or Mashiach is Hevel, you see. And then the Medrash continues, and it says something even more remarkable, that the Torah of Mashiach, which is the Orishan, the Messianic light, is Hevel compared to the Torah of Olim Habo. You believe this? That, un, you know, that um, this unimaginable amount of water which is a metaphor for the unimaginable amount of Chochmah, of Torah which will be revealed in the Messianic era in all of 219 years or whatever, right? Do you believe that this itself is zero almost infinitesimal compared to the Torah of Olim Habo? It's unbelievable when you think about that but yet that's what it says in the Medrash you see <clears throat> and therefore that's why you can understand what uh, Rabbi Shimon when he gave the Shia the Ari you know and so on you know uh, you can see that Pasha's Bullock has 80 years of material you see and this what he was saying a Shirin by the way is basically the Omashiach that was his Torah you see so the Ariya had to go up to experience what the Omashiach is, you see, and that is now being taught basically in Gan because that's really where he went, to Olim Yitzira, which is basically Gan you see. And therefore that is really what is being taught. It will only be revealed here 
by the messianic light, by the Mashiach himself. But right now, apparently, right, in Gan Eden, what are they doing over there, right? They are learning Torah, which is really all about the creation itself and how all of it emanates from God. They are learning that at whatever level they're doing it in Gan Eden. And that light of Gan Eden will enter this world, will come down to this world, you see, and that will be the revealed Torah in this world, which is astounding, you see. So what do we see? We see that there are fundamentally three levels of Torah, each one almost infinitely more than the one before it. There is a Torah of Ilam Hazeh, which is the Torah of Moshe Rabbeinu, and that is a Torah that we are granted. We are granted to know. And even that you can barely grasp. You know, how many people have learned that amount of Torah in one lifetime? You see what I'm saying? I mean, it would be, it would be incredible. There are people who have, you know. I mean, the Vilna Goyen, there are, there are many G'daylam that have grasped enormous amount of Torah. But in the end, it's still the Torah of Ilm Hazet. But the Torah of Ilm Haba, excuse me, of, 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 uh, of uh, Yemei Samashiach, nobody has ever grasped that because it is almost infinitely more than the Torah of Ilm Hazet. <coughs> but then we have another level, that's the second level. Then we have another level of Torah. <coughs> and that level of Torah is the Torah of Ilm Haba. And we have no concept of what that is. We have no concept of the Torah of Ilm Haba. It's not just more purple, you know, or more laws or whatever. It's, a, it's a, a different understanding of reality. In other words, there's a reality concealed with reality that we are completely oblivious to. And the example I would give is like science, you see. If you would have walked over, you know, to, uh, let's say, New Guinea, you know, uh, some guy from New Guinea, he walked over, and, and uh, these guys couldn't pay count, maybe count past four, you know, and you told him, there is a world out there that you would be in utter shock, you know. He would say, what are you talking about? Yeah, we know, we know, we know, we, we got a handle on everything, you know. Meanwhile, if you took this guy and you put him on, you know, in the middle of a, whatever, Fifth Avenue or something like that, or whatever, you know, uh, you know uh, hospitals, whatever, you take a witch doctor and you put him in the hospital, you know, he'd have a heart attack. He'd need another witch doctor to pull him out of that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, in other words, they, you, a, a person of that primitive level cannot conceive of a reality beyond his small reality. You know, you can't even describe it to the guy. He just cannot conceive that there's a reality, not just quantitatively, but there's a qualitatively different reality. He cannot conceive. We cannot conceive of the messianic light at all. And that is a reality which is just not just quantitatively different. In many ways, it's qualitatively different. In other words, that is a reality within a reality, you see. But when you think about that, the reality of Ilam Hapo is a reality within the reality of the messianic light. And we cannot conceive of that at all. 
And that's what the Chazal say when it says, so. It says that everything that has been foretold, right, uh, is, uh, is, is the messianic light and so on. But what is stored up for tzaddikim in Oilim Habo, so. The eye has never beheld. What does that mean? It means that there's an entire complete reality, you see, that is the inner workings of our reality that is so distant from us that we cannot even conceive of that reality, you see. It's like people, you know, the old chemists of hundreds of years ago, you know, they would deal with substances. But were they aware of molecules? And even if they were aware of molecules, were they aware of atoms? And even if they're aware of atoms, were they aware of quarks? And even if they're aware of quarks, were they aware of strings? Come on, of course not. This, ta this takes centuries to develop, you see. Uh, so that's the turn of Oilam Habo. It is beyond comprehension. Uh, now what that means is, uh, how are we going to handle on this? Uh, is that, uh, I once mentioned, remember the Malachim, they would say to Moshe Rabbeinu, we want to receive the Torah. So I mentioned what that means. The question is, how can you do that? And I had said the part one, the Torah, the uh, greatness of Torah part one, is that they wanted to learn the Torah at the level of the spheres, which is a whole different understanding of being, of realities itself. And that they could do, you know? So they don't need the mitzvahs of Elam Hazer. We want to go straight to the, what's called the shayrish, the root. We want to learn the secrets, the ore, the divine light of the spheres itself. You see. What does that mean? Okay, so the light at the level of the spheres, everybody with me? Is the Om Shiach. It's called the Nun Shari Bina, the 50 gates of wisdom, you see. And there are Nun Sharabina, there are 50 gates of wisdom. And the Om Mashiach is the 50th. So what we learn here in Oilam Hazer, the Torah of Oilam Hazer is the level of Torah physical. But the level of Torah at a spheral level, okay, is, comes from what's called the Nun Sharabina. It's the 50th level. And it is not just the lower seven spheres, which is Chesed and Gvurat first, Netzachod, Yisoyed, Malchus, right? Those are seven spheres, which are called the lower spheres, okay? This, the the Omashiach spheres is at the level of what's called Bina, which is the third from the top. That level of Torah is incomprehensible to us now. And that is the level of the Omashiach. You see, what it is is this, is there are three spheres, Kesser, Chochmah, and Bina. Those three form the root of all the seven below it. So we have, so Bereshus is how many, seven, how many days? Seven days. So each day a sphere created whatever was in that day. So you have seven days of creation, seven spheres, from Chesed to Malchus. However, on top of that is what's called the Gimel Rishonis, the first three, Kesser, Chochmah, and Bina, okay? And those are beyond the physical. 
you see. So when you say Nun Share Bina, the 50th gate, you're already walking into the third one, which is called Bina, Kesel Chachma Bina. You're into Bina, and that already is the root of the, the entire knowledge of the physical world. So it's that knowledge from that, that revelation, from that sphere, which is Bina, that will be the light of the messianic, the messianic light. You see. And therefore, that light is so high, that or, that chokhmah is so high, right, that to us, it's incomprehensible. And that's what the medrash means, you see. That's what the medrash means, that the, it's hevel, you see, compared to the Omashiach, you see. But wait a minute. Then the question is, what is the light of Elam Habo, you see? If the lowest seven, if the Chokhmah of the lowest seven is the Torah of Oilam Hazeh and the, the, the Torah of Bina is the Torah of the Or Mashiach, so then what's the Torah of, of Oilam Habo? It's interesting. That's a level which is way beyond, as, as the Medrash points out, the level of the Chokhmah of Bina. And the answer is, that's the level of Keser, the crown. You see, now Keser is the highest of the spheres, which I mentioned last time and so on, you know. And the Giloi, the revelation of the divine wisdom of the sphere of Keser is the Chokhmah of Ilim Habo. And that wisdom is so sophisticated if you want to use that word it is so high okay that it can only be experienced in ilm habbo it is not something that we can possibly experience in this world in fact we cannot even experience it in the world of the, the mashiach because it's something which is cannot be clothed in ilm uh ilm hazeh and remember the messianic light no matter what it is is, an, is, is a phenomenon of this world, it is the last period of time in this world. So therefore, Torah at the level of Keser, right, is, to us, is incomprehensible. But what it is, it's another description of reality. So what we're looking at is different levels of reality. One deeper than the next, you see. Now, what is interesting, if you recall, I said that when somebody learns Torah, then he is activating the sphere of Keser, and therefore that does a tikkun to the entire creation. That's the root of all spheres, and it's the most powerful. So therefore, somebody learns Torah is activating, like I said, that sphere, that divine energy of Keser, you see. And therefore, what happens is, is that divine energy of Keser, which is called crown, when that will be released to us, it will be released in Ilm Habo. And that type of information or knowledge is not available to humanity at all. Not, not as long as humanity is in this world. Even with the messianic light. Why? Because the level of Torah we have now is basically what? Is the level of Torah, of the Sefer Torah, and the Torah Shabbat Peh, 
the Gemaras and so on, right? And all the Mephoshim, right? The level of Torah in the Messianic era is the level of Torah of the Spheres. But the level of Torah in the Ilam Habo, right, is the level of Keser, which is the ore of the Eintzoyf. Think about that. The Eintzoyf is basically God, at least the way he manifests itself, himself here. So when you are at the Chokmah of Eintzoyf, which is Keser, that's Ilam Habo. And now you understand, because the level of Spheres, you know, is infinitesimal compared to the level of ore that is revealed of you see now it doesn't mean literally you can comprehend but Kesser is the greatest revelation of that God can give you it's, a, it's what's called a qualitatively different dimension of reality and that can only be experienced in Oilam Habo and then you understand that because that if Torah can release, activate the incredible divine light energy of the sphere called Keser, right? That is really what, what that is the highest level of of uh, of knowledge of God uh, that is revealed in the future world. You see, so we're looking here at three different levels of 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 reality in that sense. We're looking at the level of reality here that Moshe Rabbeinu gave us Tereshav the written law and the oral law with all the halachas all the gemaras the mephoshim all of this and this is uh, thou, ten, uh, hundreds of thousands of volumes of Torah that have been written since Moshe Rabbeinu which is 3,300 years ago you know so we're looking at that that's the Torah of Olam Hazer then you have the Torah of the Mashiach right which is really the Torah of of uh, of the spheres so basically when you think about that that's the kabbalistic understanding of the mitzvahs you see where you understand each mitzvah kabbalistically how it interacts with the light of the spheres you see but that's still nowhere near what has to happen like i said the real ore is the ore of Kesa, which is right underneath the Eintzoyf, you see? So you're privy to that type of information. And what you're really looking at is, a, uh, is the root of the root of the root of reality. We don't even know what that is. We think the root of reality is what? Is atoms and quarks and all that. No, there's something below that that we cannot even fathom. You see, and what's below that is the physical as it merges into the spiritual. And then you have the spiritual as it merges into the divine. You see, and Oilam Habba is a light of the divine. That's what Oilam Habba is. But what's interesting is that that light itself is infinite. That's why Oilam Habba is infinite. When you're in Oilam Habba, it goes on forever, there's no end. But then the question is, so what are you doing? You know, because the divine knowledge, the ore of the Ein is infinite. It's hard to imagine. We don't know what that means. Basically, because nothing is infinite in that sense, you know. But apparently what goes on in the future world, Oilam Habo, is the ore of Kese, which is the ore of the Ein so to speak, right next to it. 
And that itself is ain't safe. That's why Ulam Habba is ain't safe. Because it will take you an eternity to figure it out, so to speak. It's just an eternity until you, as you get closer and closer to God. Now, we have no idea, we, have no, we don't even have an inkling of what that's supposed to mean, you see. Uh, but when we talk about the greatness of Torah, right, we're now talking about what? The greatness of Torah at the different levels. Which dimension? You know what I'm saying? Are you on Oilam Hazer? Are you on Yemoisa Mashiach? Or are you on Oilam Habo? And that, that's why that Medrash is an incredible revelation of a secret, you know, where it divides the knowledge of God, so to speak, or the Torah, right, at three different levels. And what it tells us is that each level is infinitesimal compared to the level above it, and so on. Talk about the greatness of Torah? Wow. Well, how, how do we even begin to approach that? You see? I mean, when this Talmud heard from the Ari, it take me 80 years to write this down. Now, what was he going to say? You know, you know what I'm saying? It's, and this, this is the Ari in this world, and so on, you know? It's just beyond belief. Yeah? You mentioned Bina. Is there a level of Chachma? Yes. But, but, but that, Bina is where it starts, but then as you go closer and closer to the end, then you go into the level of Chochmah and then ultimately. Kind of yeah, that's right. So, a number of Shirem ago, a while? I mentioned a while? A, 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 a uh, different Shir. Yeah, yeah. The Rabbi mentioned the idea of Mashiach ben Yosef having Karni Reim. Karni Reim, yes. And, and, and I guess gaining credibility and leadership <coughs> by demonstrating his wisdom. Yes. Well, we expect to see over the coming years a figure appear that is able to solve scientific uh, medical problems and Every so on by making reference to Torah. Yes, yes. So that's who we're looking for. Yes. We're looking for that guy who all the scientists are coming to hear him speak. Correct. Because nobody, uh, and they say, oh, this solves the unified field theory. And this cures cancer. Exactly. And so on. He's got the answers. Aha. Uh -huh. Yeah. Okay. So it won't be hard to spot this person. No, not at all. Okay. I would, uh, I would think it'd be rather conspicuous. <laughs> you know, but he will have because he has now access. You know, it's like it's like a guy who lived in, uh, you know, uh, let's say, uh, you know, lived in the 15th century, right? Right. And all of a sudden he goes to a physicist in the, the now living now, right? And this guy could sit down when he said, have a seat, right? And he's got all the formulas and everything, all the math, everything, on what this guy can't, can't even dream about. But we're expected to see someone like this in the next 11 years. Well, if he comes in the next 11 years, which I think he will, yes, we're going to see this stuff, yeah. Look, well, you're not looking at natural means here. Mm -hmm. This is not Teva. Mm -hmm. This is not natural means. I mean, this, the... the this person knows his material, right? Not because of his incredible intellect and so on, you know. He knows this because God reveals it to him prophetically. It's a, it's, it's, it's a level of a prophet. How does a prophet know, you know, the enormous secrets of what he reveals, you know, uh, graphically or pictorially to the people? He knows it because it's a giloi, it's a revelation. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't have this chokhmah. Does anybody have this chokhmah? Of course not. It's like Moshe Rabbeinu, right? 
Moshe Rabbeinu went up to Har Sinai and in 40 days 40 days he learned what every single student of Torah would ever know like the Gemara says you know Chazal <laughs> wait a minute the question is this is 40 days can a man do that in a lifetime of course he not he didn't know the first the first 39 what? days that he got it the last day whatever it was you know <laughs> whatever it's just this is not a normal occurrence the Gemara gives reference to you know, the gestation period of uh, this by counting the gematria of that. And yeah, yeah. Well, natural knowledge. Is that the kind of thing he's going to do? Much deeper. Deeper, but it's there's going to be sources. The sources in Torah are going to translate into people are going to be able to see the connection. It was in there all the time. Yeah, but it's not just the Mashiach who reveals derivations. Mm -hmm. He's going to reveal the facts, mm -hmm. right? You can have a fact and then say, okay, we're in the Torah, yeah, is it? And they'll just say, okay, so the guy's a genius. It doesn't mean the Torah is true. No, no, no. Genius, so Don't stand. When Moshe Rabbeinu came down with the Torah, right? He, it wasn't because he was a genius, which I'm sure he was. It because there's no genius that ever lived that could have, uh, you know, duplicated his feat of going up to the mountain completely devoid of Torah and coming down knowing the millions of, of chidushim that all the Tanoim, Amroim, Rishonim, Achroim would ever say. It's impossible. You know what I'm saying? It's not because I don't do it in No IQ can do that. I don't give it to 300 IQ. You know what I'm saying? It, 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 it's a divine act. Mashiach is an individual that has a divine source. Just like Moshe Rabbeinu. So Except the source of the Mashiach will be greater than Moshe Rabbeinu. So what's to stop people like Paro from saying, good magician? No. <clears throat> It's not about a magic. The magic is a manifestation of the Chochmah. The, Moshe Rabbeinu was able to pull off all this kind of thing because he had access to all the divine wisdom, you well, see, which really God gave him, which are the Shemus. Because we got Nevoah. Not because he did any great feat of Chochmah. We got Nevoah so to believe in Moshe. Uh, I'm Israel. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what you're saying. What are you saying? So what gives this man credibility as a Jew? They can just say the wise men of the Jews. Okay, so he's a genius. He has some special magical powers, and so doesn't mean he's the Torah is true. The Mashiach is a person that will be able to look at you mm -hmm. and tell you who you are, how many incarnations you have, exactly what your problems are, what your future is, where you fit in the scheme of Tikkun, and that's pretty good. How's he going to do that? It's not genius that does that. He, I mean, I, I wouldn't call it psychic. It is a level of Ruach HaKodesh, which we have never seen before. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I mean, there are people that replicated something like that. Let's say the Ari. I mean, he was able to also do a tremendous amount. Um, but the real Mashiach uh, will be million times greater than the Ari. Mm -hmm. me, me, you, know, me, you know, there are people who go into a gypsy and are impressed <laughs> with the well, crystal ball. I mean, a messianic figure is beyond belief what this man knows. He will know everything about you, including what you yourself don't know, you know? In fact, he'll know more about you than your own wife. How's that sound? I know, it's hard to believe, right? Uh, but, but in any case, um, uh, so this man, it's not because of his intellect, it's because of his 
uh, is uh, his uh, connection to God, his prophecy. He's a Novi greater. I, I brought that down a while back. The Mashiach ben Yosef is a person greater than Avraham Avinu, greater than Moshe Rabbeinu, and greater than the Malchashars. Like, could you imagine what this man knows? Right? And not because of him. No genius could know that. It's the, it's the communications between him and God. Because what's called Kabbalistically, he gets Yechida, the highest Neshama of Adam Arishm. And that is connected straight to the Rav from. You see? I mean, you can't miss them. Whoever he is, you cannot miss him. Once he, can, uh, he is let out of his so-called prison, mm-hmm. which is his, his uh, you know, his uh, um, inability to be who he can be and so on. That's who he is. And that's the Chokhmah he will reveal. So in, in, in the face of that type of Chokhmah, I mean, it's, in, instant, it's immediately uh, known who this, who this person is. I'm not even talking about the kiddush of this man. We're only talking about the intellect of this person and the access to the information that he has. But when you really think about that, it's much greater because you're looking at a person that has the shechina on him. And that you immediately feel. If you went, if you went to Moshe Rabbeinu, you sat down and spoke with him, believe me, in a very short order, you would know this man is unique. I mean, there's no... I wasn't impressed with Moshe Rabbeinu. Well, I'm, I, I, look, I, put, put that aside. But right now I'm just saying, mm-hmm. so the Mashiach's relationship with the Rabbani Shlodim, the Shekhinah, will be uh, incredible. Not just his wisdom, you know. Mm-hmm. But anyway, <clears throat> um, this is, it certainly tells us, uh, you know, the greatness of Torah as, as it is revealed in that Medrash, you see. Um, but in any case... Um, so, in, in, the end, in the end, the redemption basically is, people make a mistake, you know, they think, what is Geula? You know, what is the redemption really? You know, well, it's redemption from persecutions, right? It's redemption from subjugations by other nations. Not at all. It is redemption from ignorance. That's the redemption. The Geula, the redemption is where we actually know all of reality and not as goes on because if you think about it the reason why everybody acts the way they do is because they're ignorant of reality you know if the goyim non-jews and many jews unfortunately right if they would realize what reality is would anybody do evil how do we explain Bilam? what Bilam was a navi yeah but Bil- evil. Because Bilaam still had the ability to have free will. So free will is about to be taken away? In the Messianic era? Well, in the pre-Messianic era. No, but but, uh, well, no. But in the time of Mashiach ben David, there there is no free will anymore. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, there are many reasons for that. But one of the basic reasons is that there's no more Satan. He's gone. He has been destroyed or converted. Whatever, how, whatever the view is, you know. But without the Sutton, then there's no options anymore, right? What's the free will, you know, because nobody's going to sin. So that's gone, you know. That's why if a person does tshuva, he really has to do it now. So but anyway, wait. So, but I want to say also is that that's why it's so important for a person to learn Torah. You see? And I, and I said last time, look, just learn, try to learn some aspect of Torah for a half hour a day, 30 minutes. Because the Torah, since it is all about reality, 
will connect to Keser, which is the depths of all reality, you see. So one of the greatest ways to get Oyelim Habob is to learn the Torah, because, you know, the, the text that has all reality in it, right, will lead to the experiencing of all reality, which is Keser in Oyelim Habob. That's why learning Torah is so great and so important for every single Jew. Yeah. You talk about that a uh, person doesn't learn a certain topic during any of his lifetimes in Olam Hazay. He will not be privy to that topic in Olam Hazay. Yeah, but, th but that's a very complicated issue because the question is, why didn't he learn it? You know what I'm saying? But most people, you know, people, are, they go through their own, you know, incarnations with so many struggles and so on and so forth. Yeah, you know, the, only God knows if he can actually say to a person, you could have learned this. You know what I'm saying? Cause most of the time, you know, a person's so busy struggling to make a living or this and that and so on, you know. So you're going to tell me, well, you, you, you say, well, I, I'm sorry, I didn't learn the whole Torah. So, so does that mean I'm not going to get the whole Torah? How could you learn the whole term? Most people don't even know a Masechta. They don't even know a Gemara, let alone the whole Torah. Then you've condemned, you've doomed the entire human race. Or I should say, you've doomed all the Jewish people. You see? How many people have known the Torah? You know, today if somebody knows the whole Torah, he's a Godel, he's a Godel Ador. I mean, how many Godel Ador do you have today? That means you've condemned all of Klai Israel to what? To a terrible Ilmabo, Amaratsis, you know. Look, God is a good father. He'll make sure everybody's in. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but there's sin without know, a park bench and there's sin in the house. Whatever it is, I want to tell you something. You know, a park bench in Ilmabo is infinitely greater than the greatest castle in Ilmhaze. I guarantee you. So you're not going to complain. But so, so in, in, in Gemara, anyway. in Gemara Sukkot, it says Mashiach bin Yosef is having a funeral. So um, but that, I, I once spoke about that. And I, I said that in the Gemara talks about the death of Mashiach bin Yosef. But basically, the Vilna Goyen, the Ramchal, and many Gedolim say, and the, the Ari, that he won't die. Even the Zoya says he won't die. Mm -hmm. One says he will, he was supposed to die, but that was the judgment. But because God arranged where he won't die because he comes back in many incarnations and suffers, so if he added him up cumulatively, he would survive. Mm -hmm. He doesn't die. Yeah. Two interesting catch that comes to mind that's very interesting is that according to what we're learning, this famous Chazal that says if Amishok kept two Shabbosim, yeah. Miyad Yigulu, according to what we're learning, it, the Chazal should say, if every Jew learned Torah, which Miyad Yigulu, not, not Shabbos, Talmud Torah can't get cool on more than Shabbos. Yeah, but there's a reason why. Torah should trigger the Gula. Yeah, but there's a reason why, because, you know, you learn Torah is one thing, but Shmir Shabbos is a behavioral thing. You observe the halachas of Shabbos, and Shabbos represents, without getting into the whole thing, uh, it represents the Messianic era. Shabbos is the Messianic era. If you, I once gave a shia about Shabbos, it was Ramchal Ziyotzai, two years ago, three years ago, what the premise of Shabbos is. And Shabbos really corresponds to the, what's called the Elif Hashvi, the 7,000th year. In fact, Shabbos is even greater than the Messianic era because it's the 7,000th year, whereas the Messianic era, Messianic era ends in the year 2240, 
which is 6,000. So Shabbos is even greater. So if people would observe Shabbos, then literally they would be uh, sort of like living in an era which is beyond, you know, uh, beyond the Olam uh, Hazza and so on, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. How do we reconcile also in Torah that a person Chukah Shemayim V'Oris could I say without Torah the whole universe collapses? Yeah. So that's right. Yeah. What was before? It was Tohu before Avram Avinu. I mean, the first two thousand years. What supported the universe? There was no Torah given. No. The Torah was created hundreds and hundreds of years before the world was created because that was a blueprint. What it means is that the justification for the entire world yeah, justification for the entire existence of the world is the Torah and the observance of the Torah. Without that, there's no justification. That's the divine agenda. You know, that Torah has to be given and it has to be observed by some type of segment and so on. Yeah. If you didn't accept it, then the, then the, the universal creation has no justification whatsoever. You see, so therefore that's the, that's the divine agenda. Okay, so um, this basically ends the summer and we will resume uh, uh, you know, after the um, uh, Yom you know. Anyway, sure. so this is a, uh, f a sort of like the a sort of a concluding shear for this. What the greatness of Torah is, which are which is very important because people just do not realize how great Torah is and what it represents and how significant it is for a any person's life.